International Media Ministries presents dramatic scriptwriting with award-winning screenwriter and director Bart Gavigan. Lesson 13. Structures to Tell Stories. There are basically uh, three ways of telling stories. Okay. There are three structures for telling stories. The first one I'm going to talk just a little bit more about is the classic way of telling story, okay, which is the hero and his desire, okay, which is uh, called the main plot, subplot approach to story. And I'll, I know we haven't talked about subplots or main plots yet, but just, just take those words in. And about 90... 9% of drama usually falls into that category. Okay? And there's a reason for this. Now, this is the normal way that every story is told. Okay? It's normative. And if you uh, stray from the path, if you don't use this structure, that's fine. There's no problem with that. You just have to remember that your audience drops off radically. Okay? So that's the only problem. Um, abandon the classic structure and your audience plunges. In this uh, story, in this structure, as I've said, the audience don't come out of your film with questions. You're meant to have answered their questions. Hopefully they come out thinking about what you've done but they don't come out with questions that distract them from the impact of your story, saying, why didn't she do that? Why didn't she do that? What about that? That, was, that, that? that thing wasn't wrapped up, or that subplot. What happened to that? What happened to his relationship with this little boy? What you don't want them asking. You want to have dealt with all those things. Okay. You can have what are called multiple heroes in this a genre, in, in, not genre, in this structure. And what that means is, is that normally it's a single hero and what he or she wants, okay? That's the arc of the story that holds the whole story. That's the skeleton of the story, okay? Uh, what happens if you have multiple heroes? Are, are you still dealing in classic structure? And the answer is yes, provided they all want the same thing, okay? So an example of that would be the Magnificent Seven, say, where basically they all want the same thing. They have the whole of the seven samurai. They all have the same desire line. Now, within that, there are, there are some of them who are more main characters than others. Some, you can't have seven main characters. So uh, they're one hero in a sense. There are multiple heroes, but they're one hero because they want the same thing. If they wanted different things, then it wouldn't be classic structure anymore. And one of the problems uh, with this structure, there's two problems, really. One problem is that it's very open to abuse. It's very open to being formalized, made generic, uh, to being put on the computer and trundled through at the level of craft, okay? The other problem is that if you don't really wrestle with the form of it, uh, it fades in proportion to 
the end of the film. You know, it's, it's at its maximum power during the film, and then as you go out of the cinema and have a coffee afterwards and live your life, and a week later and a year later, you've forgotten all about it, okay? Except where you really uh, plunge the harpoon into the audience, so they can't do that. This is interesting, actually, because minimalist uh, cinema, which sometimes is boring while you're watching it, usually uh, the great films in minimalist grow in power. <laughs> they, they go on working, 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 and they actually grow in power, and a year later it's more powerful than when you actually saw it. So um, I'll talk about that in a minute. So th these are the problems with it, and the, obviously the great strength of it is, is that you can touch the emotions, you can move people very powerfully. And if you put craft, inspiration, perspiration together and do great movies, you can change people's lives radically, the way they think, the way they see life, um, the way they experience events. These are all great pluses. And of course the other great plus is the audience totally understand this structure. They're used to it. Every story they've ever heard more or less comes to them in this form. Now, the next structure has a name. And the name exactly mirrors what it's about. And the name is Multiplot. Multiplot. This is a structure beloved of beginners and Christians. I love saying that. No, it's, it's mainly, I think it's mainly because Christians are often beginners that, that it's beloved by them. It's, it's certainly not just true of Christians. It's loved by all beginners, and there's a reason for it, okay? Uh, and this is exactly what it says, okay? Which is that you have several main characters, each with their own plot, their own desire line, their own plot. Um, Now, one reason that uh, beginners love it is that, of course, this gives you the, the whole buzz of developing many plot lines at once. So you get great cross-cutting energy out of this, okay? So this is great. You know, you can, it's fairly easy in the editing room to, to get, smash it together and to, to get a lot of dynam dynamics in there, a lot of power. Um, and you can, you have the luxury of unraveling and chasing many plot lines, okay? And in theory, that's easier than having to structure one arc of the story right through for however long you're doing it, half an hour, two hours. In theory, it's easier, okay? In theory, uh, you can go off in many different directions, like the hair, you can shoot off here, you can shoot off here and pull them all together in these people's lives. The, um, the characteristics of this are interesting. Uh, it's theme-driven, essentially. Um, essentially, your, your characters are ciphers, okay? And there's a reason for that. Okay, there's a very, there's both a technical reason 
for it and, um, and an artistic reason. Uh, the technical reason, uh, which becomes the artistic reason in the sense at the point of choice, is, is that if you have five characters and you divide them into your available screen time, say you have 40, let's make it easy, say you have 40 minutes and you have five characters. If you divide 40 by five, you get eight minutes. Okay, so you have eight minutes for the story of each character. Say you have uh, two hours and you divide that by, or say you have 100 minutes, you divide it by five characters, you have 20 minutes. And the problem you've got, you see, is that in 20 minutes, how many major, how much of a journey can you take a character on? Okay? How much uh, empathy can you create for that character by taking them through reversals, negative experiences, positive experiences, and so on? The answer is less than one character, much less. In fact, uh, oodles less. And so... Um, The result is that this genre tends to support theme. And the films, you know, that you see in the genre, like Parenthood, that it fits into this genre where there's multiple... There are different characters. There's Steve Martin, there's Rick Moranis. There's, there's different people, okay? And they each have their situation with their kids and so on. What's going to be the major loss, the major loss in this... In this uh, structure. I've said it, but to tell me again what it's going to be. What are you going to lose for the character? Lose empathy. Okay. Just going to lose empathy. Uh, this form, uh, as I say, as you move away from classic drama, the audience falls off. And so your money falls off. This is not an easy form to finance. Uh, it's not an easy form to pull off at the box office. And um, it's a form, actually, for masters, not novices, though one wouldn't think so from the number of people who attempt this form, just setting out. This is a form that's very difficult, given that you've got a, a colossal drain of empathy uh, away from the film to actually pull off. The other major problem with it, it lacks a true center of good. Okay? the center of good, since it's thematic, you don't have an incarnate center of good, really. Do you see? Why it's uh, very serious and why Christians must think about it is if you want to communicate your values and communicate your worldview, to people, you cannot afford to have a theme-driven movie. Story is what will be the vehicle for that. So story that's subject to theme, the way multiplot is, is not the vehicle for you, by definition, okay? Um, you could say to me, well, my film's only 20 minutes long, and I feel that in that kind of time it's fair enough to do that. And I say, well, Okay, but just remember that your film really then, if you've got four characters, is only five minutes long. And what you've got is, is five minutes of story with different reflections on that story, different ways of saying that story, different echoes of that story. Okay. And so you must uh, think about that very, very seriously. Also, uh, as, as a Christian wanting to share 
uh, your worldview, and the usual vehicle for that is the, is the, the classic structure, you must think very, very carefully whether you can afford to make a vehicle that does not contain a maximum amount of empathy. Remember, empathy is what bonds the people to the journey. Uh, in multiplot, at the point where they're not bonded to the journey, they may admire the journey, they may be interested, they may intellectually see the journey, they may see the themes, but what moves them, what changes their life is the journey, is being on the journey with your character. So you have to think about this very seriously. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. You can do whatever you like. Now, in saying all this, by the way, you do have to understand that the Holy Spirit works. And he works in mysterious ways. He, she, uh, and I have no problem with that. All I'm talking about is, at the point of our calling and our gifts, he asks us to maximize them, to use them, to be sensible, to be wise, and, and, and so on, good stewards, and so on. Every, and, and to lay the groundwork to, to do all the work we can. But, yeah, I, I have no problem that the Holy Spirit will use multiplot to change people's lives. It, it happens. Just as uh, I know a girl whose life was changed by going to see the omen. Uh, you know, the, the stuff came up, the quote at the book of Revelation came up at the end, and she looked at this and said to her friend, what, what's that? And she said, oh, I don't know, I think that's in a thing called the Bible. And it touched her, the, the quote touched her from the, at the end of this awful film. The quote touched her, and... Uh, she went home and she pestered someone, gave her a Bible, and she read for five days and five nights. Didn't go to work, didn't do anything. And she's one of the most committed Christians I know. Minimalism. Um, this is a, a very misunderstood word. It applies in art uh, in a slightly different way to the, it applies in the, the visual arts in terms of um, writing and theater and film. Uh, usually it comes under the guise of multiplot, usually, but, but not always. It can be in the mainstream. So Hollywood thinks of minimalism as kitchen sink, dreary realism. That's, that's its understanding of the word, and it needn't be so at all. In fact, uh, usually it's quite the opposite. Um, there are brilliant minimalist films. Have you seen Babette's Feast? Ever see this film? Ah, wonderful film. Uh, I think it won the Oscar for Best Foreign Film, so there's probably a reason why I might expect you to have put that in your book. Uh, Tree of the Wooden Clogs, probably one of the greatest films ever made uh, by Omanu Olmi, who's a Christian. Beautiful film about peasants in the last century uh, working uh, in Italy. And a heartbreaking story at the middle of it, but just incredibly done. Um, but again, that, that particular story is done multiplot, Tree of the Wooden Clogs, is done as a, a multiplot story. Babette's feast, what's, Babette, what's her big want? Babette's a servant, a cook, and her big desire is to just, Babette's feast, is to, to actually do a huge, cook a huge feast for her employees who are, two old women in a Christian community which is dying off because they don't have marriage in the community. You know? And that's what the whole film's about, is she wants to, that's her whole desire line in the film, she wants to just cook a, an incredible feast, and she does. And it brings together the, their life and their past and their present in an incredible way. And 
So it's minimalist. In other words, the want is, the want is apparently not some earth-shaking want, like my son, you know what I mean? That's not a minimalist film. It's actually small in, in that sense. Uh, and the, 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 the climaxes are on the interior. The reversals are the interior. Um, blink and you miss some of them, okay? But an incredibly powerful film that touched the hearts of millions and millions of people all over the world. Uh, it's a you should look at some of these films to actually like the ones I've mentioned just to get some feel for what you can do with minimalism, what you can do with something that where the want isn't very big, you know, the want is contained, the want is very minor in the great scale and, and, and where the, the exterior is pulled down, where we're not dealing with huge car chases and all these things, we're dealing with life uh, and where the, where the explosions are in the heart, they're on the inner side of the story, you know. But just the way that goes on echoing in the minds of people. These films can be made very cheaply and they can have explosive power. And if you do them well, um, they're just wonderful. So Hollywood's quite wrong about, about it. Now the third structure, uh, so there's multi-plot, there's the classic storyline which is the main one, and then there's a structure which you'll rarely see, and this is called anti-plot, okay? Anti-plot. And this is more or less exactly what it says. So if the classic structure is plot and subplot, anti-plot is almost like the total reversal of all the rules of classic structure, okay? So, for example, one of the rules we've touched on in classic structure is that... Um, the hero uh, must always hold his own destiny in his hands. So the rule, for example, in terms of coincidence in classic dramas, don't have it. <coughs> coincidence should have no place in your drama. And if it must occur, have it occur in the first three minutes or the first ten minutes, down the front, where turning the story does not depend on coincidence. It's an absolute no-no to turn your story through coincidence. The story must be turned through inexorable logic and the choices of the hero, okay? And the action of the hero. Uh, to turn it through uh, coincidence is completely capricious and a complete cheat and will turn the audience right off, okay? Now, there are little exceptions to this rule, of course. Like, we all accept, for example, that in terms of marriages, love stories, the way people meet is almost farcical sometimes. It's coincidental, it's an act of grace. So it's fine in a love story to have people meet in the most farcical, it doesn't matter a fig how people meet. It can be utterly coincidental and everyone believes that because it's true in life. Do you, do you understand? So there are exceptions to these rules, but basically no coincidence is allowed in your films. Just an absolute no-no and certainly not to turn the plot, to turn the story. In anti-plot there's nothing but coincidence. Just abounds. I mean, uh, McKee, I remember him using the phrase, God's pool table. You know, it's like, there's no rules here. It's totally arbitrary. We live in a nihilistic, chaotic society. You know, it's, anything goes. It's, <laughs> you, you go out for, you go out to sort of have a drink and you end up <laughs> swathed in bandages uh, in a plaster cast as in, in After Hours, which is a film that's anti-plot. Uh, you don't have to worry. I'm not going to spend any time on this. You are not going to have to worry about this. Uh, the only time you get to make a work that's anti-plot is when you're a wildly successful director 
and you've always wanted to make this particular film that the, the studios or whatever know is going to make absolutely no money. No one goes to see anti-plot. Do you remember they said the further you go from classic structure, the more the audience plunges. The audience for anti-plot is your girlfriend, your mum, and <laughs> your dog. The audience are smart at the level of genre. They're, the, they're smart at the level of the classic mainstream. They are also smart <coughs> at, at the level of minimalism, okay? Or were smart. In other words, I think uh, there, there is a trend going on in the world whereby the world has been colonized. And it's been colonized by genre, formula, whether that's exploitation movies or whatever it is. So the audience that was prepared, say, 10 years ago to put up with and look through films that challenged them and so on, uh, that films that we would call minimalist or we would call multiple, or films that we would call by, by certain directors, you know, by like, and there's not just Tarkovsky, there's a whole gamut of, of people there. No, and that's no longer true in the same way. That band of people are diminishing. And it's to do with what's actually gone on in the film industry. It's to do with what's actually going on in terms of colonizing a whole world, really, to a, to a certain way of thinking and viewing. Um, I think that it's very, very difficult. I actually think that the, East, uh, the Eastern Bloc has thrown up several geniuses, okay, uh, at the level of images and, and film and so on. It's also thrown up a structure that is, by and large, is utterly flawed in terms of relating to an audience. In other words, the, the, the lack of structure in the East is, is almost endemic. Do you know what I mean? So it's quite hard to actually distinguish between the true original genius and, and, and the thing that's just a default position. This is where you would have to go back. In other words, I'm not an expert on different countries in the East, and you actually have to take what I'm saying and put it in your own culture and, and see what works for you. So, for example, I have a friend who works in Islamic countries making films, making feature films, and he, in his feature films, can say things right on the nose, uh, say things directly in that culture that I just look at and think, how can you say that, Bob? I mean, I mean, that is so explicit and that is so dramatically upfront that it's just nonsense, you know? He says, they love it. They love it. And, and I say, you mean the Christian? No, no. The Muslims just love this film. They just love it. It's what, you know, uh, the more on the nose this is, the better. You know what I mean? Uh, um, so I'm no arbiter in that. I, I, I don't know. I, I have no, in terms of cultures, it's your task to actually take things and translate them back into your culture. And each culture will be totally different. It will, it will have a different approach. Um, all I'm saying is, is that there is an essence of story that is universal. Uh, and if you tell the story in that way, you will have an audience. And indeed, let me tell you a terrible story about this and cultures and colonization. In Canada, um, uh, CBC, we're always trying to get these communities, uh, especially the Indian community the, the, of the far north and so on, the, and the, Esky, the Inuit communities and so on, to actually take cable television. And lots of them resisted. They just resisted. And gradually they were eroded and eroded. And eventually, uh, there was this one place where they had an incredible live culture. They had a, 
just a powerful, powerful culture of the oral tradition, and they just resisted. And then one day when they had an elders meeting, not everyone turned up, and three people turned up, and they voted to have television. So CBC just came straight in and uh, plonked the stuff down. And within a year, the culture had changed. Within a year, the whole culture had broken down. The oral tradition broke down, the tradition broke down. And when they were asked about it, they said, well, how do we compete with this tradition? In other words, it's not simply that they tell different stories. They said, but this soap opera they call Dynasty, okay, in one hour, it has 12 crises. Do you think people are going to listen to our stories, which take three hours to reach the first crisis? You know, said, no, it's, n it's not just the difference in stories. It's actually culturally, we cannot compete with this. And now, um, in that whole area of, of Canada, they're, they're, the whole oral tradition is gone, as has, ha as has the extended family, in terms of where people would meet to talk and so on. Now it's individuals watching television. The whole culture has just changed. I think the answer still remains. The audience are incredibly smart. But like everyone else, they're smart to the extent they're educated. So they're educated in a particular line of storytelling. And, less, and they grow less and less educated in other lines of storytelling. Like minimalism, more and more, the, the constant stream of minimalist films that we're appearing now is like a little drip. It's like a little drying up drip, okay? What you're actually dealing with is life. And what the tragedy is, is that the audience uh, less and less have the chance to be educated in that. And that's not just true of cinema, that's true of all the art forms. More and more things are marginalized or seen as not important in terms of the, the main body of, of um, life. But the audience, if you will educate them, are smart, will remain smart, and have the capacity to understand if educated. They happen to be brilliantly educated in classic drama.